we celebrate those seniors. I don't have anything written about this, but as I was watching them, uh, I actually started at Christ United when they were in sixth grade, when they first entered the youth program. Uh, so this Sunday is especially uh, special for me to see uh, their progress throughout our youth group and now as they head off to the next leg. So we thank you for the many ways you've loved and supported those seniors. And like I said, we will pray a blessing over them at the end of my sermon today. Let's go to God in prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My spouse, Jake, he's in the back with the baby. If you hear uh, him crying, please show some grace this morning. Uh, Jake and I have been watching a TV show found on Disney+. Plus. It is the Mighty Ducks television show. They have relaunched it. Growing up, uh, Jake and I were both a big fans separately of the Mighty Ducks. Side note, just so you get to see who I was as a child, I was very into sports, and so throwing movies and sports together, like, really did it for me. So I love the Mighty Ducks, and without spoiling anything, this reboot, or actually it's kind of a whole nother chapter in the Mighty Ducks era, and in it, it is about a group of kids who join together to form a hockey team. Now, this is a group of kids from different backgrounds. They have different family lives happening around them. They have different passions. They even have different groups of friends when they're at school. And yet, they come together to form a team, not because they want to have all of these wins, but instead, they want to have fun while learning something new. A lot of them have never played hockey together before, so it's been really cool to see them come together on my TV screen and join together for this hockey team. It is a very wholesome presence. We have enjoyed personally watching a show that's a little less heavy. And like all Disney things, uh, there's a lot there for adults, including plenty of jokes to keep you entertained, too. As I read a very familiar Pentecost story, what, for what seemed like the umpteenth time as a pastor, my mind kept drifting back to these kids in the Mighty Ducks TV show. You may be jumping ahead already and saying, okay, Stephanie, we get it. Unity, Pentecost, people coming together. We see where you're going. Let's check out now. I do want us to talk about unity this morning. But as usual, I want us to challenge ourselves to think outside of the typical story we usually hear on Pentecost Sunday. I want us to look at it in a new way, maybe with a lens we've never used to consider this story before. This morning, we begin a brand new two-week sermon series. Our focus is going to be on racism. I want to acknowledge right now any discomfort you may be feeling as I say that. Racism isn't always an easy thing to talk about. It's for sure not an easy thing to experience, but it's something that's happening out in our world, and it happens right here in Plano, Texas, too. 
I will not be pointing out each of us in our own flaws. Trust me, we all have them. Instead, I want to encourage us to enter into this series humbly, together, on the same footing. I want to welcome in any discomfort you may feel, any resistance you may have, maybe even some exasperated sighs. And let's talk about a serious thing together as a community of faith. I've used a few different terms to kind of label my vision for these two weeks. Terms like racial reconciliation and racial justice, and I'm still not sure on the right term for our focus. And it's not because I'm indecisive or because I've mailed something in. Instead, all these terms, racial reconciliation, racial justice, they're big terms. They have deep implications. They're not something that should be tossed around without us giving them their due diligence. And I can't put that on you. I can't force us each to care about the oppressive systems that surround us. I can't force you to recognize that racism and oppression are around us. My hope for this series is that these two weeks compel us, they lead us in to a natural step towards racial, racial reconciliation and towards racial justice in the world. But that's gonna be up to each of us and where we feel compelled to go. We, of course, We'll talk about race in relation to scripture. This is a church. That's what we do here, right? We look at God's word and how it teaches and moves us to interact with the world around us. And because this week is Pentecost Sunday, we are going to consider the implications that the Pentecost story has in our current context. So start with scripture. After our last series on the book of Acts, we're going to continue in the book of Acts <laughs> on Pentecost Sunday. We are actually going to go back in time, and we are going to start in chapter 2 of Acts. We're going to start with Peter's very first public message to the people post-resurrection. So, in Jerusalem, Jewish people have gathered around to celebrate an agricultural festival. It is a diverse group of people. Our reading is about to explain all of this to us, but I want us to keep in mind that they all bring their own cultures, they bring their own languages, practices, their own stories with them as they enter our story today. We are actually not going to read the entire story. If it really piques your interest, I encourage you to go back and read it. But we're only going to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 this morning. Hear these words. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place, the disciples. Suddenly, a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. 
When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native languages? It goes on to name all of their languages, so I may be taking an easy way out by not having to read uh, all of uh, the cultures they are from. And the typical move when reading the Pentecost story is to focus on the unity of all of these first believers coming together and being compelled by the Holy Spirit to understand one another. And all of that is true of this scripture. It's all imperative to this story. And yet, there's still something more to Pentecost. The Holy Spirit helps the disciples share this message of Christ, a message of Christ's ministry, of Christ's legacy, of Christ's salvation that is offered to each of us. But let's look closer at who the audience is that the disciples are speaking to. That fifth verse gives us some insights. Pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. While they all live in Jerusalem, these people who are listening to the disciples are all from different nations. They're all Jewish, but they all have different backgrounds. They have different stories. They have different cultural context. And the Holy Spirit doesn't descend and make everyone speak the same language. Instead, Luke writes that they heard the disciples' message in their own native language. He actually recounts that fact two separate times here. He says it in verse 6, and then he says it again in verse 8. Luke wants his readers to understand this, to understand that the Holy Spirit is reaching the people exactly where they are, in their native language, in their own individual cultural context. The Holy Spirit meets them where they are. We, too, have different voices. We have different experiences. These Differences should not divide us or make any of us better or less than anyone else. How do we celebrate the ways that we're different? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us where we're at without disparaging anyone else? I've spent a lot of time the past few years being intentional about the voices I expose myself to. I've read books, watched movies, heard stories, and still I am not an expert on racism and the manifestations of racism around us. I am a white woman from a middle-class family who has had a lot of opportunities in my life. And... As I've read stories of people of color's experiences in the past and present, I've found myself a little shocked at some things I've heard and learned, shocked at some of the histories that surround us. Preparing for our last sermon series, Chris Dowd and I both read James Cone's The Cross and the Lynching Tree. 
We talked about James Cone. We featured him as one of our theologians. And as I read his book, I found myself unsettled to read about these historical accounts of lynchings in America that happened less than 100 years ago. I wasn't taught about them in high school or college or seminary. I know of lynchings, but I didn't know the extent and the mass spectacle they were in our nation in the early 1900s. And as I began to read and immerse myself in the historical manifestations of racism, I was enraged, I was moved deeply, and at the same time, I felt overwhelmed. How do I listen better to my neighbor when they say they've experienced instances of oppression? On Tuesday, it will mark one year since the murder of George Floyd. And as I listen to the stories of people in America recount how things have changed and not changed since his death, I began to think back to my time at SMU at Perkins. I remember hearing from two separate professors, people of color, who told me they had been pulled over regularly while going to SMU. And regularly meaning a few times every single year during their five to 10 years serving at Perkins. Each time they were pulled over, they never received a ticket. They never received an apology. They both believed they were being profiled because they were people of color in an affluent area. As I heard these stories as a seminary student, I remember reacting surprised. I remember commenting that I had never been pulled over and I probably deserved a ticket a few of those times too. And then in both instances, I went about my day. I have to ask myself now, how do I live in such a way that I am compelled by scripture? Scripture that reminds us in 1 Corinthians that if one member is suffering, we're all suffering. How do I live my life in a way where I am so deeply connected to the humans around me that I don't just go about my day. My first step in recognizing racism in the world was to familiarize myself with the histories of our nations from perspectives of people of color, people who don't look the same as me. And my next step was to recount back to moments where I witnessed acts of racism around me or was told a story from someone who was deeply affected by racism themselves. And I encourage you, if you feel moved at any point during this series, I invite you to journey on a history lesson of the oppression of people of color throughout our nation's history and to think back to your own experiences of racism. When we have a posture of openness, we begin to notice the real world around us. When we have a posture of openness, we don't stay siloed in our own echo chambers. When we have a posture of openness, we can't ignore the systems that surround us. When we have a posture of openness, 
we assume the best of one another and we listen deeply to each other's perspectives and experiences. One of my colleagues, Dr. Reverend Dr. Edgar Bazan, is the senior pastor at New World United Methodist Church in Dallas. He wrote an article about a year ago for our conference titled, Racism and Bias, We All Suffer. In the article, he recounts his experiences as raci of racism as a Mexican-American and even while he was a pastor leading a congregation. He writes this, these experiences have taught me that racism and bias are not always loud offenses. Rather, they are subtle but heavy chains to keep people in their place. As I said, often assigned by those with the freedom of not having labels. Heavy chains. I don't want anyone to feel this kind of weight of inequality, especially not from our churches. Racism is real. Real people are impacted by it. And we have a long journey to continue to make our world a better, safer place for all people. As Christians, our first step is to be open to others' experiences. If you're like me and you identify as a white person, I encourage you to join me in listening to others before I share my own experiences or opinions, before I get defensive or make excuses. When we offer a listening ear and an open heart, we begin a long journey, but we begin the journey to listening to our neighbors, to leaving space for native languages, for different cultures, for identities to feel welcomed and celebrated. On Pentecost, the people didn't all hear Peter's message in the same language. They retained their language, their culture, their background. They weren't hidden or taken to the side or discarded. There is beauty in our differences, in our not sameness. The people didn't have to shed their native language in order to hear the good news in order for the Holy Spirit to show up. Instead, their differences were celebrated and retained. Racism tears apart the kingdom of God. It feeds into the lie that some of us are created in God's image and others are not. If the Jewish people in Acts could come together with all their differences, with all their baggages, with all of their different experiences, and still hear the disciples in their own native language, we too can be moved and united through the Holy Spirit. We can also recognize times when we mess up, when we get it wrong. In the Mighty Ducks television show, the kids come together on a hockey team, but they don't shed their identities. They don't give up their friends outside of hockey. They don't start adopting the behavior of one another. They retain their identities and celebrate the different identities of one another. It doesn't happen overnight though. 
these kids only come together as a hockey team when they begin to listen to one another, when they begin to care for one another, when they begin to say, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. How can I do it better next time? They work hard as a team and build relationships while still sustaining their identities. Relationships are how things happen. It's how voices are heard. It's how doors are open. It's how life is experienced. Doing work to dismantle racism in our world begins with being in relationship with one another by assuming the best, by retaining what is native to our identities and trusting the Holy Spirit to fill in those gaps. I welcome you on this journey alongside me. This work is uncomfortable. It means reliving painful moments of history and acknowledging times where we maybe didn't stick up for our neighbors. But it's good work. It's holy work. It's the work of Jesus Christ. On this Pentecost Sunday, may we learn of the histories that surround us. May we work to create safe space for honest conversations to flourish. And may we continue to do the kingdom work, the building of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, just as those first followers of Christ did. Amen.